yeah, just contact you. So that's awesome. Well, it's my um, great privilege to introduce my husband to you. We're continuing our little mini-series called Mountain Movers. It was a great message last week, darling, and we're looking forward to it. So come on, why don't you welcome Mike this morning? Awesome. Fantastic. So good. This morning, yeah, we continue this uh, series, Moving Mountains or Mountain Movers, uh, the things in our life that we just would love to move, but they just don't seem to move. But then we've got to believe and we've got to have faith. And, 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 and what does it mean for us to, to be a people who are mountain movers, that would see mountains move in our lifetime? Last week, we, we looked at a passage where Jesus cast a demon out of a boy. The disciples had given it a go. You know, they'd done all that they could. But for whatever reason, this demon wouldn't come out of the boy. They were, they were disappointed. They were trying to work out why it didn't happen. And Jesus said, you faithless generation. He said, this comes out only by prayer. And we agreed last week that we have to pray first. When we see the mountain, rather than trying to shove up against the mountain and make it move in our own strength, we have to pray first. We have to have an attitude that says, God, I'm, I'm committing this mountain to you. You move the mountain. I don't move the mountain. But what happens when we pray, what's the next step? Because sometimes there is a next step, and most of the time there is a next step. You know, James said, you know, it's fine you show me your works. He says in James 2.18, someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works, and I will show you my faith by my works. See, God speaks to us, but then he asks us to trust and obey. Trust and obey. David, have faith to believe that, God would defeat Goliath, but Goliath didn't lie down. Goliath didn't say, oh, you're one of God's people. Right, the victory is yours. Goliath stood up, and he was about to fight David. And David had to stand up with faith to believe Goliath was coming down, but he had to take some steps. He had to take the skills that he'd learned, take that stone, put it in the sling, take aim, and with faith, Goliath came down. But it was a little bit of action. How about the Israelites when they had to cross over into the promised land, into the, into the, they had to go in through the Jordan River. Now, as usual, God picks the flood season. It would have been great if it was just a little trickle of, of, of the summer season, but no, it was flood season when God asked him to go across the Jordan. And so the Levites, they would have had to step into the Jordan River and probably going knee deep, ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, who knows, even chest deep, before the, the water 20 miles up the stream, up the river, actually banked up and the flow subsided. See, God asks us to pray first. He asks us to be a, be a people of faith, but then he also asks us to do something. What happens when we try to trust and obey? This morning, I want to look at a, a passage in the Old Testament where there's six characters that are kind of thrown together unusually in the story. And we, we see a measure of their faith and their trust and their obedience. And we're kind of going to give them kind of little report cards as to see how well they did in the area of trust and obedience. So we're going to look at Second Kings chapter 5. And we're going to walk through verses 1 through to 16, just verse by verse. So let's start with the first verse. It says, The king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him the Lord had given Aram a great victories. But through Na though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. Would you pray with me this morning as we unpack the scripture and see what it means to trust and obey God? 
Heavenly Father, we come and we, we say we're so thankful for all you have done in our lives. We thank you that we get to be called your children. What an awesome honor and a privilege that is. But thank you, God, that you also stretch your kids. You ask your kids to do things that are brave and courageous and things that would put our hope and our trust in you in a greater measure. God, I pray we would be a people that pray first. But, Lord, you would also teach us and give us the courage and the faith to trust and obey. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning we look at six different characters. So we're going to look at, first of all, king, the king of Aram and also Naaman. The king of Aram needed Naaman. We see in this that the first verse, the king had great admiration for Naaman. And he was prepared to do whatever it took to get Naaman well. We read later on in the passage that the king of, uh, king of Aram, he would bow to his god, Remon. You know, so, so he, had a, he had a God that he worshipped and he, he, he was faithful to, but clearly he didn't believe Rimon was going to give the victory or bring the answer. So he had faith in another God other than his own to see the miracle take place. And he needed Naaman. You know, maybe you're here today. You've tried everything in your miracle. You're believing for your miracle, but, but actually you've even, even that... that, that level of faith is like, I've tried, I've tried, I've tried. It just hasn't happened. And so I'm just going to give up. Can I tell you, don't give up. Keep going. Keep pressing in. Keep believing. Keep having faith. Keep trusting that God is already and still working in that miracle. The miracles don't always happen immediately. But when God has given you a word, he's given you a promise. Take a step of faith and trust him. Then we have Naaman, the leader of the mighty Aramean army, a man of steel, a warrior that commanded soldiers and army. This was a man who we read who was loved by the king and feared by nations. This is a man you wouldn't want to cross. You wouldn't want to get on the wrong side of. But tragically, as we pick up the story, he's been struck with leprosy, a, a, a disease that could not be cured. The destiny for Naaman was a life of isolation and solitude. He would live out his life painfully away from others. So when he hears that there could be possibly a cure, Naaman takes the opportunity to find out more. Now, if we were to do a report card on, on Naaman, we'd probably uh, you know, give him an A plus or an excellence when it comes to faith. He believed that God could heal him, but we'll find out the trust and obedience part. He didn't do so well. He could work on his obedience and trust a little bit more. Because maybe he didn't believe in the method that God was going to use. How many people can testify to that? That we believe that God can do a miracle, but when he asks you to do it in a particular way, you say, hold on, that wasn't a part of my plan. That wasn't my method. That wasn't my strategy. Verse 2, at this time, Aramean raiders had invaded the land of Israel, and among the captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go to see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. I like this girl a lot. This is a good girl. I mean, she gets excellence right across the board. Every box ticks in excellence, faith, obedience, trust, courage. I mean, we're talking to a young girl. I mean, we don't know her age, but let's just assume she's, she's anywhere from maybe 11 to 18 years old, maybe even younger. She, she's, she's a... A slave, she's been taken captive. She's been taken out of her home, her homeland. 
desperately missing home you could imagine, missing her mom, missing her dad, missing her brothers and sisters. And this young servant girl sees her master with leprosy. Now, if that was me in my situation, I'd say you should probably just die in your pain. She could have been bitter about her captivity. She could have desired for him to feel the pain of his disease. But she says, I wish my master would go and find Elijah. We'll go and find Elijah because if he does, he'll get healed. That's some kind of faith operating right there. And I know there's a bunch of people in this place that operate with that kind of faith. Can I tell you, don't you let anybody tell you to stop believing the way you do. Do not reduce your faith levels. Don't come down to everybody else's level of belief. Come on. You have to live with that faith level and believe and step out in courage and keep asking, keep believing, keep pressing in because you are the one that will help people move towards mountains being moved. Come on. We've got to lift our faith level, our belief in God. Verse 4, so Naaman told the king what the young girl from Israel had said. Go and visit the prophet, the king of Aram told him. I will send a letter of introduction for you to take to the king of Israel. So Naaman started out carrying his gifts, 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold. That's a whole lot of money right there. And 10 sets of clothing. The letter to the king of Israel said, with this letter, I present my servant Naaman. I want you to heal him of his leprosy. No pressure, right? Pretty definitive statement there. So let's meet the king of Israel. His report card doesn't look so good. In fact, in all of the areas we're talking about in faith and courage and trust and obedience, this guy doesn't do so well, and he's the king of Israel. The king of Aram is convinced it's a good idea for Naaman to go, so he sends a letter of introduction. See, Naaman can't just walk in into the area and just go, hey, here I am, without causing a massive, uh, you know, Uproar, you know, the armies would come and they'd try, you know, there would be a war. So he's doing the polite thing. He's introducing himself with a letter saying, these are the reasons I'm coming. Please don't kill me as I come into your country, into your area. The king of Israel, he loses it. Verse 7. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes in dismay and said, Am I God that I can give life and take it away? Why is this man asking me to heal someone with leprosy? I can see that he's just trying to pick a fight with me. In the faith section, the king gets a D. Did not achieve. Come back next year, have another go. He fails miserably. Instead of seeing this as an opportunity to make God famous, you know, it could have been this moment, it's like, yeah, send him along. I'm going to have faith and I'm going to trust that God's going to bring healing and God will be famous and maybe another nation will come to know that God is the true God of Israel. uh uh-uh. King tears his clothes and says, this man's trying to pick a fight with me. He expects me to heal. And is this not our problem? Is this not our problem? Sometimes we take on the role of God when we think it's our responsibility to move the mountain. It's like, God, it's, it's, it's my responsibility to, to change that thing. And he says, no, 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 that is my job. I want you to have faith and I want you to trust And I want you to obey. Come on, old timers, trust and obey. There is no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. So the king of Israel, he doesn't trust. But remember, 
See, the problem, he was taking on the role of God, which is to be the healer. He thought he was going to be the one that would heal him. That it was his responsibility. It was never his responsibility. Luke 9, we read, the disciples were given the authority to lay hands on the sick and see them heal. But at no point were they ever under the impression that they were the ones that healed. Jesus gave authority and power to heal in his name. Jesus is our healer. Jesus is the one that heals and sets us free. The king assumed a role that was not his. His response should have been, pray first. God, is this of you? Yes, it is. Okay, we're going to trust you and and obey, and we're just going to believe that this is what you're wanting to do. Come on, some of us just need to pray first and then trust and obey. But then we meet Elisha, a man of faith. Verse 8, but when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay, he sent this message to him. Why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me, and he will learn that there is a true prophet here in Israel. The thing about great men and women of faith is they just don't fear failure. They just don't fear failure. Because if we fear the outcome or we fear the response of what might happen, we'll never truly have the courage to take the step of faith that God's asking us to take. If we put all the reasons why we shouldn't, and come on, there's a lot of them out there. You look at your mountain. The mountain that, that you want to see move, there's a lot of reasons why it's not going to move in the natural. But thankfully, we serve a God who, who he works in the supernatural. He takes the natural and he adds his power, his breakthrough, his anointing, and he can bring change when we couldn't have ever believed that it was possible. Send Naaman to me and he will learn there is a true prophet here in Israel. You know, God created us with intelligence And he gives us wisdom. We would all do well to use those two things in a greater measure, I'm sure. Wisdom and intelligence. But sometimes our very problem is that we have to break through rational barriers. We we can build up our scenario and our situation and our mind and we go, all right, I've already disqualified a miracle because it doesn't seem like it could be possible. I believe God overflows with joy when we break through those rational barriers. When we break through those barriers that says we can't, to say, actually, God, I believe you're telling us we can. Come on, the miracles that we've seen in our lives are beyond our rational thought and our rational interpretation of a situation. And God says, have faith, trust in me, and walk in obedience. So verse 9, so Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elisha's house. But Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message, go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River, then your skin will be restored and you'll be healed of your leprosy. Can I just say, if I was to invite the commander of the, the most powerful army on the planet to my door, I would meet him at the door. Elisha sends a messenger doesn't even greet him. He says, I want you to go and dip in a dirty Jordan River and you'll get your miracle. Was this the test God was giving to Naaman to trust and obey? Let's find out how well Naaman did. Because you know what? 
a number of years ago, centuries ago, a group of people walked through the Jordan River and got a breakthrough, got a miracle. Would name and believe for that himself. See, for some people, it's illogical to believe that God can move your sickness. But God's saying, pray first and trust and obey. Some people are saying, it, it doesn't make sense for me to trust my finances to God, get, you know, living off 90% when I can't even live off 100%. But faith and trust and obedience says God will give you more with 90% than you would with 100% on your own because it's His. It's blessed by Him. It's covered by Him. It's anointed by Him. That is my testimony of my whole adult life. I've had what I need and more when I put my trust and my hope in him. Come on, sometimes the illogical, the, the logical barriers have to be broken. We've got to trust in obedience. See, ra- radical obedience seldom requires us to do difficult things. Radical obedience seldom requires us to do difficult things. God specializes in the impossible so we don't have to. God does the impossible so we don't have to. Jeremiah 32, 17, Amy read it this morning. O sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and earth by your strong hand and powerful arm. Nothing is too hard for you. We need to become obeyers of the one who has given us the command, who does the impossible. Jesus didn't say to his disciples, come and bring your suggestions on how we can reach the world. He just said, come and follow me. Come and do what I do. Follow my example. Paul later on says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Just walking out in obedience and trusting the one who does the impossible. So let's get back to the story as the team come this morning. But Naaman became angry. This man who thought that God would heal him. Naaman became angry and stalked away. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me, he said. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord his God and heal me. Aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Abana, the Farpar, better than any of the rivers in Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned and went away in a rage. Here we have an example of what happens when we get offended at God. Sometimes we can get offended at God when he asks us to do something that just doesn't make any sense. Trusting and obeying no matter what means we trust and obey no matter what. Bible gives plenty of examples of God doing the impossible through simple acts of obedience. But he keeps changing the method so that we would keep trusting and obeying. Moses was told, strike the rock and water will come out. So he struck the rock, water came out. The whole people of Israel got to drink from that water. Then they needed water another season in their life. And God says, this time I want you to speak to the rock. So Moses, in a a bit of a rage, frustrated with the people, strikes the rock again. Water flowed out, but it wasn't the way God had asked him to do it. That act of disobedience meant he missed out on taking the people into the promised land. There's some tough lessons learned in obedience, right? What about blind Bartimaeus? Jesus healed a blind man. He said, what do you want me to do? Bartimaeus says, I want to see. Jesus says, your faith has healed you. Miracle. Unlucky for the guy in Mark chapter 8. Because Jesus didn't just speak, your faith has healed you. He whips up a big old lurgy and spits in the guy's face. 
believing that the healing qualities of saliva and the faith would bring healing. I'm glad that method's not used by doctors. Isn't that right, Sarah MacArthur? Come on, bring that into your practice, see how that goes. Let me say it again. God specializes in the impossible so we don't have to. What he asks us to do normally isn't difficult. The Israelite people are stuck in between the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army. Impossible. Three options. They've got three options. The first one is to turn and fight the most powerful army on the planet. Second option is tell the people to swim. Get in the water with your kids, all your possessions, all your animals, and swim across the Red Sea. Just move a million or so people across the Red Sea. Two options, right? Here's the third option. God says, Moses, I want you to take your rod and stretch it out across the water and trust me. I don't know. That doesn't feel so difficult. But why is it that we have trouble Trusting God in the simple. <laughs> God wants to do a miracle, but would we trust Him? Last week I, I mentioned that as a family we're, we're believing for some mountains to be moved. When Amy and I got back from Bangladesh, God spoke very clearly to us both that we were to put our house on the market. Didn't actually make a whole lot of sense. We loved our home, we'd only been in it in a few years, we thought it was our forever home. Very satisfied. We loved our home. But we just felt that nudge. We felt like God was saying, come on, I want you to free up some finances. I want you to downsize so that, that you can just be ready to do what you need to do. And though it didn't make sense, we said, okay, God, we'll do it. We put it on the market. And so, you know, me being the man of faith I am, I, I just thought we'd put it on the market and, and somebody would see the for sale sign and they'd buy it that day. Didn't happen that way. Week after week, after open home, after waiting, after waiting, we would see signs go up of houses and we'd go, oh, maybe, maybe that's the house we're going to get. And sold sign goes on the next week. Boom, boom. For sale, sold, for sale, sold. For... Hey, what about our house? What about our one? And we wondered whether or not, you know, sometimes you need a nudge from somebody else. This is what Naaman got. Verse 13. His officers tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he says, Simply go wash and be cured. A little bit of guts required here by the officers, right? Disagreeing with Naaman could have been death. So Naaman had a choice. Verse 14. Fortunately, he followed. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River, dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him. And his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child. And he was healed. Like I said, when we listed the home, we thought it would be sold in a week. We had to dip a few times. Week one. Week two. Week three. And I think you might know where this is going. I didn't realize it until I sat down on Monday that it was exactly... 49 days, seven weeks since we had put our house on the market. That day, we get a call from our agent saying, we have an offer on your home. Praise God. 
<laughs> at the number that we believe, not a greedy number, but at a number that we just knew was the number God had showed us. A couple of phone calls, we agreed on all the terms and conditions, and we're walking out a conditional offer at the moment. I believe God told us to sell our house in obedience because of your miracle that's coming in 2019. I truly believe that there are miracles that are going to happen in 2019. And sometimes you got to have the guts to step out. And that's what we did. We stepped out and God gave us exactly what we wanted, exactly what we we're looking for. And we thought we were downsizing. We truly did. We thought we'd have to we'd give up these things and we were prepared to do that. Until yesterday, we just signed an offer on our new home, which has 70 square meters more, a bigger section, meeting all the future needs of our family exactly as Amy had written on her card for about $100,000 less. We're blessed, they're blessed, everyone's happy. And God's done a really, really cool miracle. And I don't know where you're at. I don't know what mountain you're believing for. But I believe some faith needs to be activated today. And if you need a mountain moved, get up out of your seat. Come down the front. We're going to lay hands on you. We're going to believe for it. Come on, what are, you, are, you, are you waiting for someone to give you permission? Or do you truly believe that God can move mountains if you have faith to believe? Your, your heart's beating a million miles an hour right now because you know God is speaking to you about your mountain and you don't know what the outcome's going to be. You don't know whether it will happen today or tomorrow or the next day. And I'm not trying to hype this place up. I'm trying to say that there is a God who moves the mountains and if we would have faith to believe and trust and obey, we will see mountains move. Come on in faith. Why don't you lift your faith? If you're believing for a mountain, you lift your hands in faith and begin to cry out to God. Ask Him to give you your next step. If you don't need a mountain move, why don't you pray for these mountains that need to be moved? Maybe come and put your hand on the shoulder of someone you know and begin to pray for them and begin to see a mountain moved in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's lift our faith. Lift our faith. We declare breakthrough in the name of Jesus. Financial mountains to be moved. Sicknesses to be healed in the name of Jesus. Broken relationships restored. Set free in the name of Jesus. Faith. Increase faith. We believe God, but help us in our unbelief. You're going to move mountains, God. Come on, why don't we sing? I'll see you do it
Come on, is there some faith in this place to believe God can move some mountains? Come on, I want to pray a prayer of those that are ministering. Just for a moment, we just just stop for a moment. I want to pray a, a prayer of faith and then you can continue ministering. Would you agree with your own mouth? Would you begin to declare with your own mouth a prayer of faith? Come on, would you do this this morning? Just pray after me. Heavenly Father, I believe you are the God that can move mountains. I believe and help me in my unbelief. Would you speak to me, God? Would you show me my next step? Would you show me what I need to do? And would you help me to have the courage to trust and obey? I believe you can move this mountain. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can continue ministering if you like, but I want to speak to a group of people here today. Maybe you have never given your life over to God completely. You've lived life your own way. You've kind of had your own agenda, your own pathway, and and something in your heart, you know you've got to surrender your life to God today. He's saying, I'm waiting. I'm ready. Would you just simply pray a prayer of faith, asking God to forgive you of your sins for living life your own way and begin to live a life that would follow God, that would trust God, that would walk in obedience with Him. The Bible tells us if we believe in our heart and then we make a confession with our mouth that, God, that Jesus is Lord, He was raised to life by God the Father, we will receive salvation. That gift is there for you today. Would you pray this prayer with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for your great love for me. Thank you, you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. Please forgive me. I turn from my old way of living and choose to trust you with all my heart. In Jesus' name, with every head bowed, eye closed. If you pray that prayer for the very first time, we want to connect with you. We want to pray with you. We want to walk this journey with you. You don't have to do it alone. But would you do something brave and just stick your hand up? I'm going to see you and maybe a few of our team will spot you. Just say, I'm giving my life to Christ. Or maybe you're coming back to Him again after being away. God's calling you back home. Anyone here this morning, would you raise your hand and say, that's me. I'm wholehearted. I'm fully committed. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. I'm going to pass you back to Amy. Wonderful. Well, if you'd just love to take your seats, we're just going to conclude our service. And it's just so great to believe together. And uh, it's the time of our service where we're going to receive our tithes and offerings. And I, I can't remember which service I said it in. It might have been the second one, but... There's a reason we put a Connect card on every seat, including our own, my own, is that we are believing that God is going to speak to you when you come in here and that He is going to show you your next step. And uh, as Mike alluded, I really felt like God had said to me, Amy, you need to put a prayer request on this Connect card. You need to activate your faith. And that is what I did. I said, God, please sell our house and provide for us a home that meets our future family needs. He did it in seven days, and I am believing that no matter how long it might take for you, he'll do it for you again. Amen? He's a God that moves mountains. And I want to encourage you, as we receive our tithes and offerings, to take your Connect card. If you didn't put in a prayer request, this you've got time here to do it now. Pop your prayer request down because we were praying as a staff this week. We've got an amazing intercessory prayer team that meet together and we want to get alongside and believe with you. Amen? Because he's a good God.
who will never fail to be all that we need. And as uh, we receive our tithes and offerings, I want to thank you for your generous giving. Because you give, you know what? We can meet here together. We can worship. We can impact and be a uh, make a difference, reach, serve, and influence our community. And I believe we're going to see God do more this year than we've ever seen before. So thank you for your faithfulness and generosity. And if you're visiting, please let the buckets go by. But this is a time you can put your Connect cards in or you can drop them. There's a Connect box at the front um, door as well. So Father God, I just we're so grateful for all you're doing. Father, you're a faithful God. And Lord, it is an honor to give to you what is yours, Lord. All we have is yours. And Father God, that is, Father, for some of us, a real, something we need to, Lord, just trust and obey, Father God. So help us to trust and obey when it comes to what you have given us. Financially, we put you first in our lives, Lord, and we thank you for the work that you're doing in our lives and through this church, Father, and in our community. We thank you that the church of Jesus Christ is strong in Whangarei. Father, we today pray for every church meeting together, lifting high the name of Jesus. Father, that you'd meet every need, Father God, that they have. That, Lord, we're going to do this together. And we're so grateful. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we're going to sing this chorus again, so why don't you stand? We're going to receive our tithes and offerings, pop your connect cards in, and we're going to sing this song. It's so, I believe, prophetic. God, it will never fail us, and His promise still stands. So come on, let's sing together.
as he moves many mountains. Amen. I'd love to pray a prayer of blessing on you all as we finish. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. And may the Lord be gracious to you. May the Lord turn towards you, my friends, and fill you with his all-surpassing and perfect peace. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. That's the end of our service. Thank you for joining with us. Have a great week and we'll see you next Sunday.